Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 50 for the week of May 18th, 2018. How are you, Adam? I'm good. I'm good. We just saw Deadpool 2, which will be our main review for the evening. We're also going to do our recap on Marcon. Yeah. Marcon was a little local convention we attended this past weekend. And then we'll close it out with a review of You Were Never Really There. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be in our studio again here recording. It's still not fully back together, but it's well enough that we can give it a shot once we ironed out the kinks. <laughs> it was a little bit of a struggle getting started tonight. Well, we're recording. It looks all right, so. Yep, absolutely. Maybe the poltergeists and the gremlins have left us and well, we you keep never going. Know. So what's been happening? You, you had mentioned that there was some stuff happening on Monday today that there oh, was yeah. some crazy news coming out. There's yeah. a lot of news. Just in the afternoon, it all kind of popped at once. So there's some Spider-Man Homecoming news. Uh, not to spoil anything from Infinity War, but they are making a Spider-Man movie. Of course. So read into that what you will. But they announced the Vulture's coming back. Michael Keaton is signed on to be in the movie again. And it's likely that Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play the new villain in the movie who will be Mysterio. So Now, now I have some questions about this because... I thought Michael Keaton was a great vulture. I liked him as the villain. I thought he was more complex than we normally see a villain to be. Really enjoyed his portrayal. But now, are we going to turn Vulture into a good guy? Is he going to... Because he kind of protected Spider-Man at the end of the last movie. He did in The Stinger. There's a guy that's going to be probably Scorpion. And he didn't reveal Peter Parker's identity. So, he's going to walk a line, maybe, between good and bad. I mean, he's obviously mad at the government and everything else. He would probably escape from prison, given the chance. But he may well, not want any direct well, harm to Peter yeah, Parker. And, and, you know, he's an interesting villain because, you know, he plays him like just a normal Joe that got ticked off. Because, you know, he, here he is. He's trying to, you know, he had the contract through the city to do the scrapping work and stuff and to get the metal from the alien ships. And all of a sudden, the government comes in and says... No, and so he's a sympathetic villain is what I'm trying yeah, to yeah. say, you oh, know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, we kind of we kind of buy into him, and I liked him. Um, he never really wanted to really kill anybody in the first movie, and he even kind of liked Peter Parker, you know, ended up, you know, so I there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on with that. So it would be really cool to see what happens in the second film, where do they go with that? You know, Marvel has a good way of... Now, this is a Marvel-Fox project together, or Sony and Marvel together? It is. It, Marvel gets to call the shots. <laughs> Sony's just producing. Okay, yeah. Whereas they have the rights to the villains. That's okay. where it gets complicated. Like, the Venom movie that's coming is all Sony, no Marvel involvement. Gotcha. But if it's Spider-Man, Marvel gets to control. That's I'm glad you're deal. here to keep all this straight for me, Adam. Well, it'll get me more complicated, because <laughs> Deadpool 2 is a Fox property. I know! So... I, I, I'm sitting here going, you know, what was the deal with the X-Men and Deadpool 2 and, 2 and what was going on there? And he was like, well, it's a Fox property. I'm like, what? But it had a Marvel. But yet it didn't have Stan Lee. So all yeah. kinds of crazy. Yeah, Stan Lee has not appeared in the X-Men stuff. Sure. And, and typically the Fox stuff, the Fantastic Fours and then those films. In other movie news, uh, the cast for John Wick 3 is getting expanded. If you saw the second one, you know he's going to be on the run. And one of the new cast members. Literally. Announced, yeah. One of the new <laughs> cast members they announced today is Halle Berry. The rumors that she's playing a good guy, good girl, and she will be a hit woman that actually survived an excommunicado and vanished. So she may be helping him survive now that the big contract is out on him. So where's Halle Berry been? I mean, I've she, not seen she's her in kinda, a while. She's kind of dropped off the face yeah. for the last couple, three years. She was the villain in Kingsman too, right? No, no, no. 
she wasn't well or she wasn't really I don't know. We might need to fact check that. Yeah, that's that's not right. <laughs> I don't think that's right. <laughs> I know I've seen her in something recent. It wasn't Kingsman too. It felt like some kind of comic book property I've seen her recently, but it's it's escaping me. Yeah, but so you know, is this a good move? What do you think about this, Adam? I mean, is this a step in the right direction? What are we going to see from her? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they're expanding the cast in an interesting way. They added Angelica Houston as some person at the, the table, which is the high governing authority of the, the hit people in the series. And they added the two guys from The Raid. Right. Which is an awesome yep. action movie. So they're, they're flushing it out. Lawrence Fishburne's playing a bigger role in this movie. <clears throat> he was barely in the second one. As sort of a beggar king, so. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited for John yeah. Wick three. Awesome. It'll be next May when it hits. Okay, and the um, spring season is coming to an end, which means all my stuff with my kids at school in the next two weeks will be done. Whew, I'll be happy about that. And uh, then the summer's here. After our summer, we have a summer movie madness challenge. Well, we may mention that a little later in another episode. <clears throat> but we, Adam and I, predicted who we thought would win, you know, in the the top box offices. So we may share those at some point in time. But we're going to settle into a nice round of movies here. So that's kind of yeah. exciting. At least get into a nice schedule again, which I'm really kind of looking forward to. So, absolutely. Yeah, and next week we have Solo. And they, they went ahead and announced that Celebration, which is the big uh, Disney-sponsored convention, is actually going to be stateside again. It's going to be in Chicago. So it'll be a Midwest convention that we're going to try to go to. We don't have tickets yet, but we're, we are we're going to try. try to get tickets and go, and yeah, that'll next, be really exciting. Next April, and, and people thought it was going overseas. It's been rumored to go to Sydney, Australia for a while. It had previously been in London, and there's even talk of maybe doing it over in Asia Yeah, and getting that fan base involved. So it's nice to have it here at home again, because who knows for what another it'll be. For another year. Who knows yeah. what it'll be the next year. Absolutely. Well, I think we ought to jump right into Deadpool 2 if you want to. So you are listening to The Film Coterie. We are a general movie podcast. We're just two guys that love film and love to talk about movies, and we enjoy the conversation around movies. So you're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back. Living the dreams, DP. Yeah. Devil me care attitude. <laughs> Strong thighs. Beautiful girlfriend. Sorry I'm late. I was rounding up all the gluten in the world and launching into space where it can't not hurt us ever again. Kiss me like you miss me, Red. Okay, we are back, and we've seen Deadpool 2, the biggest of chimichangas. I don't, it doesn't have an official title. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was originally going to be called the untitled Deadpool sequel, which I thought was funny, but they, they ended up just calling it Deadpool 2. And I didn't catch it. I don't think he actually ate any chimichangas in this film. I, I don't remember him eating any chimichangas. That's, that's his favorite food. I mean, it's just funny. Everywhere you see Deadpool, that's what he's promoting. But <laughs> And maximum effort is his battle cry i know he said it in the first one if he said it in this one i missed it but deadpool 2 is in theaters you've assuredly seen the trailers for it and it is in my opinion even better than the first one i'm I'm just not gonna hide it i I really like this film i enjoyed it quite a bit 
And it's fun to see this character. Cause before the first one came out, I didn't know that this character would translate to film. He's very meta. He makes lots of, uh, he breaks the fourth wall all the time with a sense of humor in his storyline. He's a goofball. Yeah, it's almost like <clears throat> if you were gonna, if you were just, if you were just dicking around or just making, just being goofy and doing a comic and like, I'm just gonna do a comic that's completely self-aware and I'm just gonna stop at times and just talk to my audience and I'll, you know, that is Deadpool, right? So, um, for the most part, he's invincible. Yep. He has his mutant power. It was developed in the first movie. You see his origin. It, it was forced upon him. He went to a cancer treatment that would bring out your mutant ability through torture. And when his triggered, he, he was burned badly, but he gained a regenerative ability much like Wolverine. Right. And so, um, you know, the first one I just was not a big fan of, to be honest with you. I wasn't... Um, Have you only seen it once? I went back and watched it since I watched oh. Deadpool 2. Okay. Because <laughs> I wanted to compare. I thought, before I make my comments about Deadpool 2, I want to go back and see the first one again. And so I went ahead and just picked it up on iTunes, and, and I watched it through. And um, there are a lot of similarities, mm-hmm. but I, the, the, the storytelling is a lot different in the second one, you know? It's a different director. It's it, actually one of the John Wick directors. Yeah, and, um, and, and even some of the sequences were shot um, were shot a lot different in Deadpool 1. And what I mean by that is that um, the camera seemed a little more, not forced, but very, um, not on rails, but not robotic. I, I'm looking for the word I'm looking for, but very intentional, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Whereas the second one was a lot more free-flowing, I thought, a lot of times with the camera. And I thought, in general, I thought the story was better. Um, I think the character is a lot more fleshed out in the second one. I think I think he really gets who he is. Uh, I like that there was a tie-in with the with the young adult crowd as well, trying to kind of coax that along um, with the story of the kid with the mutant powers that you know never really had a father in the whole nine yards, and so. Um, I'm going to say that it's definitely an improvement over the first movie. I think it is better. Um, I don't. I just don't know if these, if the Deadpool movies are really just my cup of tea. To be, I mean, it's not a bad movie, and I can see why it really resonates with a lot of people. How they really connect with it, but it's just not. I mean, it's okay, and and I get it, and, and I even chuckled a few times. Uh, the funniest, the funniest scenes for me were the post credits of the movie for me. That's where I laughed the hardest. But, um, you know, and they do some neat gags in this movie where he is, he, he does regenerate. And so they'll cut large sections of his body off and you see little baby versions of that. And that was, played, it was a little hand in the first movie. Yeah. It's, well, they it's go different in this one. They got, I'm not, no spoilers here, but they go full on <laughs> regenerative here. And, uh, and that was played for really good laughs in the theater. I thought the, the uh, audience really enjoyed that and really laughed, you know? So the biggest difference between these two films is that in this one, the story is told in a linear fashion, pretty much from start to finish. Whereas in Deadpool 1, it was an origin story and it jumped around. Yeah. It jumped to him being developed, to how it happened, to what happened to his girlfriend, you know, and it it was told in in a nonlinear fashion. So it also has a surprising amount of heart. I really didn't think the movie would go for that, but they, they actually tug at your heartstrings a few times in this movie. All these characters are damaged. And Deadpool isn't just a goofball this time. He he does develop a relationship to the kid. Yep. And then they introduce the brand new character of Cable, who's never been in a Deadpool or X-Men movie. 
and he's got his own issues, and he's come back to fix the future. That's in the right. trailer. He's come back to kill this kid, and Deadpool has an interest in saving him, and they, they butt heads. And, and if you know anything about the comics, Cable is going to stick around. He's going to become a, a straight man to Deadpool's wackiness. He's just a super soldier from the future. And Josh with Bro- a fanny pack. And and Josh Brolin is just the guy just gets better every time I see him. This is the summer of Brolin because he's got <laughs> Infinity War, Deadpool two, and he's got Sicario two. Uh, which which you know, so I, I can see when they go to a three. You know, do, will they come out with X Force first, or are they going to X Force is next? Okay. And if you don't know, that's Deadpool's little team. I don't know how they're going to make this without Deadpool overshadowing the whole movie, but it's going to be Deadpool, Cable, and then Domino, who was introduced in this movie, right. whose superpower is Luck. And they did a great job filming all her stuff, because Deadpool even argues that Luck isn't a superpower. Oh, trust me, they play it up where you realize Luck is a superpower. It may be one of the best superpowers. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, it was a surprising amount of heart to this story that I was not expecting, and I think that's yeah. made an even better movie. Yeah, I would agree, absolutely. And if you're into this genre, if you like the, that style of movie, you're really going to like Deadpool 2. It really, it just, it, it plays all the same heartstrings, it plays all the same same notes as far as the beats and everything, but it just expands upon it. I mean, Marvel continues, and Fox, and, you know, they continue to push the envelope. We're getting better stuff from these superhero movies. You know, I, I thought we would get big-time superhero fatigue, you know, but it's not the the stories and stuff. They are, they. I think they've realized if we just keep it real, like the comic books. If we keep, if we go for it with those crazy stories, then it's going to pay off for us down the road. Yeah, there. I mean, there was a time when they were afraid to make a comic book movie too comic booky. If you remember when the first X Men movies came out, they thought we can't give them the yellow costumes. They're going to get these leather trench coats and look drab. <laughs> you know, nothing too comic booky. But here. It's fine. I mean, you actually see Absolutely. the yellow X-Men stuff, and it, yeah. it, it fits in the universe. Absolutely. Colossus is good in this, too. He was kind of the straight man to Deadpool last time, and I enjoy this character because Deadpool is like a chaotic Bugs Bunny. Like, it wouldn't surprise you if he dressed up like an opera singer and, and Cable was Elmer Fudd chasing him around. No, no, absolutely, yeah. So Deadpool is also an antihero. He's not a bad guy. No. I mean, but he's not playing by the same rules of the X-Men. He'll murder people. He he cuts people to pieces, but they're all bad people. Right. But he's not about justice. No, he won't blink to put a bullet in somebody's head. And that's what scares Colossus, because, you know, that's that's murder. <laughs> you know, and he shoots a guy, and Colossus reacts. He doesn't mind being judge, jury, and executioner all in the same stroke. Right, where the X-Men are about saving everybody and bringing right. justice. Arrest him. Yeah. Not, not Deadpool. So that was always a funny uh, playing off each other. But now you have Cable, who's... Not as good as the X Men either. He's not. He doesn't have too many issues wasting people, and he, you know, he's got futuristic guns that he builds out of the modern stuff. And they're pretty sweet guns. I have to admit, <laughs> Deadpool's impressed with Cable's guns. The guns gun. are pretty nice, absolutely. And there's a good joke. If you know Cable in the comics, he's six foot eight. Brolin looks bigger than he is. He's only five eleven, and I say only. I'm I'm shorter than that. But there's some there's some good jokes that Cable's not as big as he's supposed to be. Yeah, he's still imposing. But he's not the six foot eight from oh, the comic cool. books. That's cool. I didn't know that. So he's also Cyclops' son. I they don't do anything with that in the movie. But he's he has an important lineage. Hold on, I'm putting the pieces of my brain back together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, <clears throat> you know, music. Film, what are some of the key strokes of this film that really stuck stuck out to you, Adam? Cinematography, visual effects, special effects. The budget you know. expanded. 
So the first one, they, they played it safe. It's an R-rated movie. How's it going to play? And it had one of the best openings of all time for R-rated movies. It went on to make a fortune. So they've expanded the budget. There's bigger set pieces in this. More sets, more going on, a lot of action out in public than they ever had in the first one because they actually made jokes about it. They they cut scenes, big shootouts and everything. And that's in the first movie why Deadpool keeps forgetting his bag of guns. They didn't have the budget to do the shootouts or everything else aside from the bridge sequence in the first movie. So they, they survived without a budget. This one had pretty much whatever they wanted to spend and it looked pretty good. Yeah. There's some CG agree. characters and it all, I mean, it looks like a typical superhero film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, overall, I think it was very well shot. Um, it's going to look really cool in 4K, you know. Um, yeah, no, I, I I mean, it's just it's just good quality product. Let's just say, let's just call it what it is. It's not, for me, it's not a movie that I'm going to rant and rave and say I loved it and thought it was great, but it is good. I did enjoy it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a thumbs up or a positive review for it. Did it change your opinion of the first film when you went back and watched it again? I'm just curious because I, I know you kind of bounced off the first one, so I'm curious what your um, take goes. I don't know. It, I, 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 it was definitely evident. Did it change how I felt about the first? Definitely the first one is definitely a weaker link. It's obvious to me that they've improved it with the second one. Um, they kept a lot of the sass in the second one, but they put the heart into it. Mm-hmm. And so that really was like, that was a nice bomb or a salve for me, you know? The first one just had a tendency to be real crass at times. And I didn't get that feeling either I'm being desensitized, you know, in, in the last three years since it came out or two years since it came out, or they just intentionally kind of, they kept the sassiness, they kept the jokes, the wittiness, the, the um, you know, the attitude and some of those things, which are fine. But I think the adding the element of some real heart of story really kind of helped me a lot, you know. I, I definitely enjoyed the second one a lot better than the first one. So when X-Force hits the theaters, are you there for it? Well, that's what we do. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, regardless. Yeah, I mean, no, is yeah. that something you'd be no, excited it, to see? Even if we weren't going to see it for the podcast or for or for one of our reviews, um, I'm going to pop in and see it. Absolutely, yeah. Now, another conversation that's worth having is there's the old adage that sequels are usually never better than the first film. In this day and age, we're finding that's not true, and especially it's with not. comic book movies. Yeah. I mean, we were going with friends. I was rattling off the list. You know, there's Dark Knight. Blade Two, um, Captain America Civil War, Captain America Winter Soldier. There's a lot of times Ragnarok. These sequels are, are way better than their original. They're hitting their stride. They're getting a lot better. And maybe because it's get the get the baggage of the origin story out of the way. But there's no and, reason. And it used to be that the origin story was my favorite part. I love a good origin origin story. But now we've seen so many of them. It's like let's just get on to what's going to happen. You know. You can get a full movie without having to develop something in the past. And you know the characters, and there's more groundwork laid, and and comic book movies can just really hit their stride in the second or third installment, more so than maybe some other genres. Yeah, no, absolutely. Comedy sequels are still almost impossible to pull off, but look at Deadpool 2. It's as much a comedy as it is a superhero yeah. movie. And, and it's still it. great at the box office. Oh, yeah. You know, it's really, it. I think it finally knocked off Avengers for the number one spot over the weekend, so. Until Solo comes out this well, weekend. Well, yeah, then all bets are off after this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think we're both going to highly recommend it. And I, if the summer wasn't so crowded with movies, I'd go see it again. But I, I can't wait to get this at home because I've probably seen the first Deadpool <clears throat> ten times. I mean, I've enjoyed it. It's and you been probably catch rotation. something new every oh, time. Oh, yeah, you do. It. Yeah. And I, I see myself watching this one just as many or maybe more as the first one. Well, I, I remember, you know, I was I was bat- battling just a little bit of a cough. And 
it's one of those movies that if you cough, turn your head and cough and look away, you're going to miss something that's Three going jokes. on. You know, you're going to miss a joke or two, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, you know, upon, I'll probably buy it when it comes out and watch it again just to see what all I missed in the frantic pace, the frenetic pace of getting all those jokes out to you. So Yeah, and we saw it in a group of five or six. It was all positive from everyone in the group. People really liked it, and I think it's cinema scores around an A-. minus. So, I yeah. mean, crowds are loving it. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to use the um, Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, you know, I'm going to, you know, in my own, I probably would put this at three and a half out of out of five stars, maybe three and three quarters, almost a four, you know. Um, I'd put it at about 75 to 85 percent, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So go check out Deadpool 2 if you are 17 or older. Yes. All right. So what do we got coming up next, Adam? We're going to share our thoughts on Marcon, our very first Marcon attendance. Yes. All right. You're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music. And we're back, and uh, we're going to go over our coverage. Adam and I went to Marcon 2018. Marcon is the Multiple Alternate Realities Convention, and it is the longest continuous running con in the Midwest. Is that right, Adam? At least Ohio. This was year 53. Year 53. That It is older than everything except Doctor Who. Older than Star you. Wars, Star Trek, everything. So what did they do at Marcon 1? They... What they talk about? <laughs> we weren't there, but it's my understanding this has always been predominantly a literary convention. Yeah. But what I mean, what made Marcon famous, at least in the area, was that it wasn't one fandom. They welcomed right. all. I mean, back then, there's some more tribes involved in your fandoms. If you were into Star Trek, you couldn't be into Star Wars, and there were private yeah. conventions for those. Marcon opened their arms and said, "Whatever very you're inclusive. into, yeah, very inclusive, absolutely. We celebrate all fandoms. So yeah. that's what." Now, most conventions are like that, but they were kind of pioneers at the time. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. And um, so it was cool. You and I got, uh, we bought badges, and then we got a uh, fan table and set up and had the film crotery, and we worked all weekend. You know, we sat at a table, and uh, we met a lot of really cool people. And yeah. uh, um, I sat on two, I was a panelist for two events, and you were, and then you were a panelist, and then we hosted events. So let's just kind of walk through the weekend, and maybe we just mention briefly, kind of what we what our contribution to the con was um one of the biggest compliments i can pay to marcon is that i've been to conventions big ones small ones this is on the smaller side audiences for q and a's can be just crickets no one has any questions it's awkward how are you going to fill these are 75 minute panels how are you going to fill that time if the panels run out of info and there's no one asking questions Every panel that I saw and every panel that I was involved were great audiences. Yeah, no issues with that at Time all. Time just flew by. The panels were over before you knew it. And, everyone, and this is almost like, I'm sorry, go ahead. It was such a good give and take from the crowd. Yeah. 
So I've, well, it really feels like almost like a panel con is kind of the, one of the main things. Now they do a lot of, I mean, literally it is inclusive of everything, art show and dance and, I mean, they have stuff going on practically round the clock, board gaming and cosplay is a big <clears> element. Cosplay and they do simulated bat- battling and all. I mean, literally everything under the sun's going on. But um, you and our, you know, our contribution was film. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of what we brought to the con, and uh, you had curated some a, a series of horror shorts, and so we'll talk about that just in a minute. But um, Friday night was my first panel. We literally, literally just got our table set up, and I had to run go do a panel, and it was seventy five years of Disney feature animation, and that was a lot of fun. And th- it's amazing. There are some people out there that are. I mean, I consider myself a fan of Disney. I've seen eighty five percent of the seventy five features. I've seen most of them, right? Um, but my knowledge was minuscule compared to some of the people just out in the audience. They were super fans. I mean, they had seen every movie at least once, all the TV show spinoffs, all the all the direct-to-DVD releases of all the films and stuff. And um, it was a good, good panel. We had five of us and um, had a really good attendance. It's a smaller con, but we had about 30 in our panel. And so that was, that was actually for the con. You know, they had a couple panels that were larger than the crowd, you know, but uh, uh, it was a good turnout, really good questions, really good feedback. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. So it did, the 75 minutes just kind of went super quick for me. Yeah. And then I did a panel on Saturday. Saturday was our, our big presentation at night. But earlier in the day, I did a panel on the, the genius of Guillermo del Toro. And that was a that was a good panel. The, the audience was really into it. And we we got to kind of talk what brought us into uh, finding and discovering Guillermo del Toro, what we've liked, some deeper themes that run throughout all of his movies, and then we closed on what we'd like to see him do. What's next? He now has an Oscar. You know, the doors, he Absolutely. had a lot of doors open. More doors have been thrown open, and he's got a pretty good three-picture deal with Fox Searchlight. So, I mean, that's kind of the exciting thing is what is he going to do now? Right. And, you know, you know, w- when you and I looked at going to this con, there are a lot of factors that weigh into it, but we wanted to be able to contribute. You know, we want to, we just don't want to go and attend, you know, as the film coterie, we wanted to bring something to add to the con. And so I don't think they'd ever had a movie, a, sh- a horror shorts lineup like this and done any kind of a late night movie party like this. And so um, that brings us to Saturday night and the films that you were able to curate, Adam. Why don't you talk a little bit about how Saturday night went and what we did at the con? So if you're in the Columbus area, we have a great film festival every October called the Nightmares Film Festival. Hands down, it's one of the best curated shorts programs that I've ever seen. Over the four days, there's maybe six to eight blocks of short films, and they're all great. And they're they're divided into categories. You can see all comedies, they're all thrillers, they're all midnight shorts. So between that and Fantastic Fest and Overlook, this past year, I had easy 10 movies that I absolutely love and, and wanted to share with people because if you haven't gone to a film festival you don't really see these short films unless you're looking for them online so I reached out to all these filmmakers everyone said yes immediately I got a lot of my favorites um, lunch ladies for example yep and you know they they, they sent their films to us I, I cut them together into a program about 80 minutes long and we got to share that on on Saturday night we had pizza and cookies for an after party and, you know, people stayed around until one in the morning and talked right. with us about movies. And No, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it went over pretty well. I, I heard good things the next day, and yep. people seemed to enjoy it. So no, I'm, I'm glad we were able to give something new to Mark on. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was very well attended. 
Um, and again, you know, I'm learning about the horror crowd. We had more women there than we yeah. did men. And I'm telling you, the ladies like their horror, man. They, they turn out for it. And I think that's great, you know. Um, very, I thought it was well attended. You know, um, it came together. You know, it's nice to do these cons. And we're just not here to pat ourselves on the back. But to have people say, thank you for putting in the effort that you did. Because we did an after-movie party. You know, we got some pizza and some cookies and, you know, nothing fancy. But we wanted to connect, you know. You know, part of the reason we started doing the Film Coterie podcast was that we just didn't want to sit and blow blow air out into the Internet and say, oh, we're experts and you should love our, our reviews of movies. We wanted to connect with other people who love movies. And it was fun to connect with people who love these horror films, you know, and they enjoyed sitting around talking about them afterwards and which ones they liked and didn't like and what was their favorite one, and which one did they laugh the most at and. Uh, that gets me a little bit excited for Nightmares Film Festival because we're going to get maybe I'm hoping we're going to get a couple three days of that kind of environment where you can sit around with it the, uh, it's, the. It's I can say a lot of good things about Nightmares, but one of the best things I can say about Nightmares is the community. Um, there's a Facebook group. Everyone that has gone is feels like family. They're alumni now. And it is just really four days of hanging out with with these people in in the lobby and upstairs in the second floor lounge. Nightmares has hands down just one of the best communities. So I'm excited yep. for you to see it this year in the third year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I'm glad that we're getting in on that. And so so that was Saturday night. That went over really well. And then I had a panel on Sunday, and that's kind of the get through the end of the con kind of time, Archon time. And uh, um, I did a, um, a Blade Runner then and now, and it was a comparison of the two films. And <clears throat> it was interesting. The Disney discussion, when I did the Disney feature animation there's a lot of cool topics that we covered, you know, women and women portrayed, you know, from, uh, um, you know, from from being a uh, uh, heroine to a hero and a lot of cool stuff they covered the Walt Disney story. But but the Blade Runner panel was very kind of a little more highbrow, very ph philosophical because, you know, uh, Philip K. Dick is asking the bigger questions. What is the meaning of life? What is life? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have emotion and feeling? And um, does it matter what your origin, who your creator really is to make you human? And so there were some really great conversations, but I had to chuckle at them. And, and this is not meant as a put down at all, but there were a couple guys there that were like, Man, we were having this same discussion in 1983 after the original Blade Runner came out, and that we had some awesome discussions in '83. And I thought, holy mackerel, this con, this this Marcon's been around for a long time. You know, yeah. I was 13 years old in '83, and so and you uh, weren't a Marcon. I wasn't a Marcon, but but these people, this is what they live for is this kind of discussion. You know, I guess they're as passionate about the things, whether it's science fiction and fantasy. Uh, uh, literature or artwork or cosplay or LARPing or RPNG, Dungeon and Dungeons and Dragons, whatever it is, they're into it, you know. And so um, it was downtown Columbus at the Hyatt Regency, and it was it was three days of just a very inclusive atmosphere. Everybody, you know, uh, did their thing, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and this is their last year at the Hyatt. Their their contract is up, and they're they're moving further north, you know, in Columbus to one of the northern hotels. So they haven't announced yeah. yet, but there will be a mark on fifty four somewhere. So if this sounds interesting to you, you should definitely look it up and check yeah. it out. It was very reasonably priced for a, a three day con. Yeah, and so you know, moving forward for me, Adam, what one of the things I would like for us to do is 
I, I loved being able to contribute at some of these events like this. And so I'm hoping we can continue to find some of these startups, smaller cons, smaller festivals over the next next year or so and be able to continue to contribute in some way like we did. That was kind of a fun feeling not to pat ourselves on the back. It was just fun to contribute something that brought joy to somebody else, you know. Yeah. And that's really the whole purpose of the podcast. We laugh and joke, and we're very unprofessional at times. But you know what? We have a lot of fun. We love going to the movies. We love talking about them. And uh, we agree a lot. We disagree sometimes. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of what it's about. Absolutely. Well, is that going to wrap it up for Marcon? I think that wraps it up for Marcon. We have another movie to review. I'm still trying to decide if I was really at that movie, though. Yeah, were you Were you ever really there? <laughs> when you come back, we're going to talk about you were never really there. You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back. Where do you spend your time? What do you do? All day long. It's done. Well, he wants to see you. State Senator Albert Vato. He doesn't want to get the cops involved. He wants to meet you. You have kids, Joe. Nina. Her name is Nina. 235 East 31st Street. I've heard of these places. If she's there, I'll get her. Said you were brutal. Okay, we're back and we're going to close out the evening with a discussion of You Were Never Really Here. Sorry for earlier. I'm never going to get this title right. It, it is a hard title to ever so it, get it was, right. You Were Never Really Here. It's the newish Joaquin Phoenix <clears throat> film that's in theaters. If you've seen the trailer, it's the one where he's carrying the hammer around. Yep. Now, I do want to say this this is a difficult film. Out of all the films I've seen this year, this one has really kind of wormed its way into my brain, and I, I find myself thinking a lot about this movie in the, the weeks since we've seen it. It's been three weeks, I think, since we last saw this, and I've been thinking about it. That's why I wanted to discuss it on tonight's episode, because I think we have different takes on this film. So, I mean, the setup is super basic. He's a, a fixer. Hitman, whatever you take, right. he gets hired yeah. to, to take out guys <clears throat> and fix a problem. Yep. He, he's supposedly a traumatized... IMDb lists it like this. He's a traumatized veteran... He's unafraid of violence. He tracks down missing girls for a living, and then a job spins out of control. That's kind of the the MacGuffin for the story. That's kind of the the, the plot device, kind of for the story. You know, you get hints um, of his character. You see flashbacks to a, a scene from when he was in the war. Right, looks like the first Desert Storm, maybe. And you also see hints to maybe when he was an FBI officer or yep. something with a yeah a truck. So full there's of all this depth to his history, his past. But man, this is a, what a strange, flipping movie this is. I mean, this movie. Wow, I, you know, I've thought about it several times since we left the theater, and I, and I can't say that I like the movie, but something about this movie, I think Joaquin Phoenix is amazing in it. But what is he? I have no idea what he's really doing. I I don't know what he's trying to convey. I don't know. There's there's a couple sequences at the end, where it's like. Not a dream sequence, but a, a like a, aha. No, this is really didn't not what is happening stuff. And I thought that was very absurd. Like we're into his mind, and and I don't remember any place else in the movie 
where we had that kind of a setup where we were used to going him imagining things and then coming back to reality? Yeah. So what, was that earlier? I mean, and so <clears throat> oh, let me just jump in. Yes. Quick on this. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I mean, I think this is we're talking about because I'd have to see it again. The film is almost exclusively from his perspective. I don't know that it jumps around to any other characters when he's not there. I have no remembrance of doing that. I can't vouch for that, but I, 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 I don't it remember. him. Yes, it's exclusive. So the movie is framed around his experience, and there's a lot of violence in this movie. His weapon of choice is a hammer. You see him twice use a hammer. But, but, but here's the thing, Adam. This is what's crazy. You never see him use the hammer. Right, so the action scenes are all shot from, like, security cameras. And they cut away from the violent moments because, again, it's framed around his experience. I think he himself is disconnected. He, yeah. he, he leaves his body and or whatever. And it's his- not – this is not John Wick. It's not stylized. He's not going – this is mundane. He goes in. He He's not – He's he doesn't show that he has some special SEAL training or anything. He has a hammer. He goes in and just starts whacking dudes, you know? And you, you see the aftermath of that when he's taking people out of these these homes and these these bad places. You see the bodies lying around, but he's he detaches from himself when he's doing it. it. I think that's what the movie was showing. It is a movie completely of detachment because yeah. even the his own payoff when you think he's going to get revenge, there's a huge element of misdirection and detachment that leaves him unfulfilled. Everything in this guy's life is unfulfilling for him. He's not happy. There's no joy in the man whatsoever. Even this, the young girl that he connects with, if you want to call it even connecting with her, they connect, you know. But it's like she doesn't bring him any real joy, you know. This movie is, I mean, it's one of those movies where I can just honestly say I did not like this movie, but I'm so glad I watched it. Yeah. That's so sounds such like such a juxtaposition of feelings, but that's how this movie leaves you, you know. Yeah, and it's it's not designed to be a, a feel good or enjoyable movie. But here's what I find really fascinating about the film. So there's a bigger plot at play in this. There's something going on between the governor and a senator. There's a political power play, and you're never going to know what it is. He doesn't know what it is. So, I mean, the movie's framed around his own existence. We're not going to know. But if this was a Denzel Washington movie, because I've just seen the trailer for Equalizer 2, right? If this was an Equalizer movie, you'd find out the whole scheme and everything going on. But this guy's just a low-level grunt. He's just focused on his task. It does not matter what's going on between the governor and the senator. He's just going to do his job, rescue this girl, and, and move on. And it's done in such a good way. Yeah. You want to know what's going on, but it's not going to tell you because that's not the point of the movie. And that shows something about his character is that he obviously could figure out there's some bigger scheme going on here. He doesn't care. He just wants to do his job and go home to his mom. Yeah. And, I mean, this is one of Joaquin Phoenix's best performances. No, it, it is is excellent. I mean, if you're, if you're really into movies that will challenge you and – and if you're just eating popcorn watching this movie, you don't go see it. You know what I'm saying? If you're just going to check it, check your brain and not go, this, this movie's worth investing some time in. But it's, it's for the art house crowd. It is. It's an art house film. And, um, you know, the director is Lynn Ramsey, and I've not seen her. I've, I've not seen anything she's done. I think she's, I think Kevin was her, maybe her most popular movie. We need before. to talk about Kevin. 
Yeah. Yeah, and that's a that's a real downer too. You know, and so is that kind of a theme then? Is that her her motif that she uses? You think did you see it Adam? Yeah. Years ago. <clears throat> but, you know, that's um if I were to compare it to a movie from last year, I, I I'm saying ghost story. Not that they're really connected, but I, I find them very interesting studies yes. of people and I may never see these movies again. But they had an impact on me. I think Absolutely. about them, and I'm glad Absolutely. I saw it. But that's the weird connection I have. It doesn't really tie to Ghost Story all that well, but my brain is making that connection for some Ghost reason. Ghost Story is a is an excellent comparison because it gives you that same feeling. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, what is this movie really about? Are there really bigger questions here? And then maybe there's just not bigger questions. Maybe the director doesn't want to ask bigger questions. It's just like, this is a movie that's... Like real life, you're not going to get all your questions answered. You're not going to be able to tie everything up neatly and put it in a bow. You may not even like how the movie ends, but I don't care. Deal with it, you know? Um, but even then, I mean, they both had an effect on me. Both of those movies wormed their way into my brain. And I, I find myself for thinking me, about it. For me, Ghost Story, much more. Yeah. To, to me, Ghost Story asked real meaningful life questions what is it? What's what's the afterlife like? What's what impact does the things we do in this life have in the life to come? You know, I really got behind Ghost Story. I think it may have made it into my top ten. I can't remember, but I I really really enjoyed that movie. This one challenged me. Yeah, but it was there's there was no no enjoyment in it. You know, right. um, <clears throat> there's. No one to really root for. Everybody's bad. Everybody's is broken in this, you know. Even the girl that he rescues, she's very broken. Um, and you know, I mean, there's a, a couple tough scenes even with her, you know, where she she breaks mm-hmm. and snaps herself, you know, and you see the result of that. And so, yeah, you know. This is a There's much no... darker version of The Professional, if you ever saw that Natalie Portman movie with Jean Reno when she was younger. Yes. And you know what? It would be interesting, not that this movie needs a sequel, but just exploring where these characters end up in a matter of time. But and I don't think that's really the... It's not the point of the that's movie. That's not the point of the movie. It's it, not. It's it doesn't the... even want to draw you to that. You know, they don't write off in the sunset together kind of deal. You know, it, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a difficult film, but I, uh, oh, it's so good. It was very good. I'm so glad I saw this film. I mean, it's shot very well, very deft hand. I liked the use of implication because whenever we have to fill in the blanks in our mind, it's always more real, impactful, maybe worse, you know? When you think what he's done with that ball-peen hammer, holy, holy mackerel, you know? Um but you you were never really here is is an interesting cho- it's going to you know it's you know it's not a, it's not to make money it's not but i'm i'm glad these kind of movies get made does that make sense yeah and it it feels like i mean i've not seen any interviews with her but i don't feel like she had to compromise here i mean this feels like the movie she wanted to make it feels like a complete vision i would love to interview lynn ramsey and and just ask her so so what are you trying to communicate with this film what is your message is it is it is it grief is it just um is it just uh, abandonment is it um just hopelessness you know um <clears throat> how they play into that you know yeah just 
I don't know what to say. I mean, very well shot, very well done. Um, it wasn't really in too many theaters, and now it's probably out. But, I mean, this is going to end up on Amazon or Netflix or somewhere. <coughs> I, I think it's worth checking out, but you just have to know what you're getting into when you start it. It's not going to be the eat the popcorn and root for and, the And, you know, this has that, like an 80, 84, 85 Metascore. I mean, it's it's critics really like this movie, you know? I think it's going to have a harder time reaching mainstream audiences because what is it? You know, even we're struggling with that question, and we right. kind of knew and were expecting an art house film. Now, now I'm going to throw another movie out here that's completely unrelated, but the movie Mother yeah. was very disjointed, very unconnected. You saw it. I haven't seen it. I've been told I should see Mother, right? Yes. So is it another movie that has this kind of impact on you? No, Mother's its own beast. Um, yeah. I, I have a hard time comparing Mother to anything because it, it's it's – it is a film, but it, it's really not interested in, in plot or anything else. It's almost just naked allegory, where this has a progression to it. I see what you're saying, yeah. So Mother is much more experimental okay, as far as filmmaking yeah. goes. But it, it's, I mean, seeing Mother with a mainstream well, I'm just crowd is somewhat amazing. I'm trying to think of films that do this, that are yeah. kind of out there a little bit, that really challenge you, you know? Um, and this doesn't... This movie doesn't challenge you because it's super gory hmm. or very violent, even though there's tremendous violence in it. It challenges you. It challenges you in a different kind of way. You know, it challenges you to say, to ask, what is this movie about? It's like it's like you normally would say, like like a very superficial viewing of this would say, well, that was just kind of dumb. What's that? That movie's about nothing. But yet, that's kind of the beauty. That's kind of the brilliance of it, you know. It's really kind of not. She's not going to tie any loose ends together, and you're going to get a story. She's not going to give you not one ounce of detail extra. There's no exposition in this movie whatsoever. The you're character gonna, has his blinders on. Yes, and he's just on his mission. Does and not you, care. And you're with this character. Yep. And it starts right in the middle of his life and ends right in the middle of his life. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just, you know, I, I, there's a lot of good things about this film. But, man, is it I, – I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no desire. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm glad I saw it, and I think it's worth checking out. You just have to know what you're getting into and, and have a realistic expectation. But I think it was masterfully made, and I'm excited to see what Lynn will make next. I am, too. I mean, next time she has something out, I'm going to be in the theater to watch it. You know, absolutely. Okay, well, that was You Were Never Really Here by Lynn Ramsey. And uh, it's based on a book as well. So I might I might look into that book as well to see if it's if she just took a little piece. I have a feeling, I'm just going to guess, but I have a feeling she took a little sliver out of a book and made this movie because that's what it feels like. Yeah. It feels like somebody reached in and said, I'm going to take Chapter 11, pull it out, and that's my movie. I'm not going to add anything to it or take anything away from it. And I'm like, okay. You know, so. All right. You're listening to the film Coterie. We're going to come back and wrap it up with coming attractions. What's happening? We'll see you after the music. All right, and we're back, and folks, it is Star Wars week. Solo comes out this Thursday, Adam. And for once, uh, I'm not too worried about spoilers. That's kind of nice, right? You can't really spoil this movie because we know Han and Chewie live. 
We know he's going to end up with the Falcon. It's a question of how he gets there, but we know the end result. So this is a movie I'm just hoping to go into and enjoy. This is the ultimate origin story, right? Yeah, and it's not like Last Jedi where we're wondering what's going to happen, you know, when you really care what's going on. This is just a fun, hopefully, fill-in-the-gap movie. <coughs> well, it's going to be interesting to see what what happens. It's going to be huge. I mean, it's already selling out. I mean, it's literally Star Wars is a license to print money. They, I mean, Solo appeared to be a train wreck. They fired the directors in post-production. Well, okay, and they, maybe not. They did a similar thing too in Rogue One, and they yeah. they saved her. And One. they brought in Ron Howard and did a bunch of reshoots. Mm-hmm. And you know, people were saying that the original directors had turned it into just a what was the quote a comic jester kind of feel to it, and um, the tone was off. The tone was way off, and uh, I mean, you're hearing all these horror stories, yet here we are. It's Solo Week. Now, I have only seen the very first trailer. I have not seen any of the other trailers, and I hated the first trailer. I literally thought, this is terrible. There's but, been two trailers since, and they've gotten better. But you have said that the other <clears throat> the other trailers, excuse me, have gotten a lot better. So I'm going to go in optimistic. I'm not going to prejudge. Um, but will this be the first Star Wars movie that's a real dud for me that I don't like? That's kind of the big question for me. But it's not risking anything because this is just a fill in the gap storyline. It's not like if you made a, a saga film, well, that was I real good. No, I don't, I'm not going to say that because I mean, let me disagree with you in in just okay. a little bit here. Solo is beloved. I mean, people love Han Solo. People hated. There are people who had. I mean, Star Wars fans are very passionate, and they hated where his story ended up, how his story ended. You know. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, people are have, I mean, there's been so many one-off books written about Solo and Chewie's adventures. And the, we have this, you know, is this, to me, there's a lot riding on this from just my love of Han Solo, you know. Is he going to be that swashbuckling, you know, shoot first, gritty you know, I'm in it just for the money, jaded pilot. He's not jaded because in the preview he says, I've got a good feeling about this. <laughs> Something happens to him along those lines. but And so there's a lot to me writing on this, you know. And so um, we'll no, see. No, I will say this. The Star Wars merchandise effect is in full swing. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally, yes. They always have to change things to sell toys. So like the Millennium yep. Falcon, when it got updated for the new trilogy, had a square radar dish. Because the round one got knocked off in Return of the Jedi, leaving the Death Star. Well, this Millennium Falcon, when it's Lando's, I don't know if you've seen it, you know how the Millennium Falcon has kind of a forked front with right. two yeah. sections that stand yeah. out and a gap between them? Yeah. It's solid all the way across. What? Yep. That's like major overhaul. Well, that's what it was originally. That's Lando's ship. So it's got more cargo storage up front. Whoa. And hello. to sell more toys, this Chewbacca <clears throat> has two bandoliers and an X over oh, his chest. Oh, of course. Yes. Instead of the one that we all know that he wears. God so bless Those him. just feel like changes to sell a different Disney, toy. you're following right in the lines of George Lucas, <laughs> yes. aren't you? Let's just squeeze every nickel and dime out of the fans we can get for Why the Why did you decide to go to the one bandolier? We may never know. Oh my god! But he looks like the typical bandito from the. But so so, so in the grander scheme, I do agree with you. There's not a lot riding on. We yeah. know where Han Solo ends up, but 
I think the movie, I just want it to be fun. And I think there might be some fun cameos, but I'm not expecting any big lore shifts or reveals or anything. But it's you, not that type of movie. I mean, how how many people got fired up with how Mark Hamill was portrayed, or Luke Skywalker was portrayed yep. in The Last Jedi, you know? People got, t- I mean, they, Mark Hamill had a whole panel about hating the Star Wars movie, you know? Yes. About that. And so if you screw up Han Solo's origin story... Or the, or, or the lead actor doesn't pull it off, and you really think, oh, that is a young Han Solo, you know? Early reports, because they've been seeing it, is that he takes a little bit to get used to, but after 20 minutes, you're into it. You you buy him as Han Solo. It's just not an instant, that's him. So you kind of okay. go into the character from what I've heard. And Disney has the rights. They've, they've signed him for more movies, allegedly. So if this is a hit, they might show us further adventures of young Han and Chewie. We'll see. There's a lot of earth you can plow there. Absolutely. As there is also with um, one Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. That's the rumor. Rumors are we might be getting a trilogy. Yes. Now, I know I just shifted gears on you here, but I get really stoked up about an Obi-Wan trilogy. With bringing Ewan McGregor back... Right to play maybe the original. He's he's vocally said he's on board for whatever he'd like oh, to come back and play. That is so older exciting for me. And a lot of people don't believe that Obi Wan stayed on Tatooine the whole time. No way. If he someone did. come to him for help, he might have been like a Seven Samurai situation where he left yes. the planet to go help a, some people. Yes, but how did he keep his deeds unknown to the Empire? They people are forgot all... about Jedi pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, think about what happened between Episode Three and Episode Four. It was only about twenty years. When the Jedi were wiped no, out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And they are on the Outer Rim, right? Tatooine is on the Outer Rim. It's kind of out there in no man's land. Remember, there's not even any galactic credits accepted out there. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm just excited. I'm going to break out my new... I've got a brand new Star Wars shirt for Thursday night, so I'm going to break out my new Star Wars shirt. And I'm excited, man. I love... It's Star Wars. How can it's you Star not be? Wars. How could you not be excited? So, And this is... We're heading into our longest gap. <laughs> Because after this movie hits, they've not even started filming episode nine yet. And then there's the new series um, coming from the Game of Thrones guys, as well as Ryan Johnson's uh, new trilogy. So we're a ways away now from Star Wars content. Well, yeah, from feature content. But we may get some small screen stuff. New, uh, a new cartoon is coming out about the Resistance. And live action. And then John Favreau's. Favreau's live action. Live action is said to set, be set seven years after Return of the Jedi. So both very exciting for me. <laughs> New eras. So it'd be exciting yep. to see the universe. And you know what? Marvel keep us entertained until uh, the next Star Wars. Yeah, Marvel's not going to stop making movies. <laughs> They're going to do three a year for the next twenty years, <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. But this is the highlight of my summer, so hopefully it delivers. It is the highlight of my summer too. That that I, I have a couple. One other I'm really looking forward to the Jurassic Park film, but uh, this is by far the highlight of my summer. So. And I think actually Sicario two might be my mess. My next I, I'm, film. I, I, you know, I know we're just, we're, I know we're getting along here in the podcast, but I just have this gut feeling that movie's going to be a train wreck. Villeneuve is not directing. But, I know. You know, the writer's still there for it. The one that gave us Heller High Water, Sicario, and oh, um, that guy's a genius, man. Those are some great movies. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for the podcast, Adam. Uh, next week when we when we podcast, it'll be Solo, a Star Wars story. 
and maybe something quirky. We might just, since we have this mega hit, maybe we'll slip into the theaters and see something offbeat and quirky for you. We're going to do a spoiler cast, too, on Solo, so we can... not Without that there's going to be any big things, but there's going to be fun cameos. I mean, yes. I'm not going to be shocked to see Jabba, Boba Fett. We Absolutely. may see some characters we want to talk about. Absolutely. All right. Well, how can they reach us on the uh, in- interwebs? We have a website. We're at filmcoterie.com. We're on Facebook, too. That's always the best way to reach us, facebook.com backslash filmcoterie. And we have the same handle on Twitter and Instagram. We are at filmcoterie. So we're available in all those locations. All right. You've been listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. We'll see you next week.